Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. This is it, week three of our Legacy Series. Uh, If you have not been with us, um, this has been an incredible series. Basically, if you've not been with us, let me help you real quick here. Last year, at this exact time, we introduced to the entire church this capital campaign, this, this building fund, if you will, because we were given the opportunity by the Shriners Event Center to at least, the coolest part of it was this, is they didn't come to us and say, hey, you want to buy the building? Great, let's do it right now or else we're moving on. They came to us in advance. It was a total God thing and said, hey, we're going to sell the building in two to three years. Are you interested in buying it? And of course we said, well, yeah, I mean, we want to buy it. We just don't know if we can buy it. And then we went on a journey of, of talking to people and bankers and architects and and real estate people and board members, and we just we just asked everybody, and then we we everybody's conclusion was yes, we think this is our legacy moment. And so we presented this to the church. The church jumped on board. We literally um, started this thing with Miracle Offering Sunday exactly one year ago, and raised over a hundred thousand dollars in one day, and have raised an additional two hundred thousand dollars since then. And so our legacy fund is is sitting a little bit over $300,000. Now we think we need to get to probably about a million dollars to give you some perspective. And so if we continue on that current pattern, we will get really, really close to it. And so this is why I need, uh, I need us all to be praying. I need us all to be like trying to do something incredible, believe for something incredible, be sacrificial. And so this is literally what I've asked our church to do. This is what I asked you to do last year and nothing has changed. I'm asking you, everybody say pray. And as a matter of fact, if you need to, you need to go watch part two of our series because I taught you how exactly I want you to pray over this legacy season of our life. I want you to be praying big, bold, audacious prayers, and I showed you that, so go watch part two. The, the, the other thing I asked you to do is consider your finances, and that's a very, very practical thing. It's a thing where you get to basically say, okay, well, what do we got, and where's this, and can we move this around, or can we cut that out of our budget, and what can we do, what can we give, um, and, and what can we sacrifice And what you're asking for, I believe, is you're saying, God, would you please put something on my heart? Would you give me a number, an amount, a thing, a a goal, a target? Would you, God, speak to me about what it is that I can do financially? Because what we found out was this, is that the greatest building that they ever built in all of Scripture, it required everybody's incredible generosity. As a matter of fact, Gus, do we have those real quick here? Let me me ask you a question, Corey. How many of you have not been here over the last two weeks? Is there anybody that's not been here for the last two weeks? Could you just raise your hands up real quick here? Because these guys want to put something in your hand. If you have not been here um, the last two weeks, they're giving you the cards that we handed out. Of course, you're a first-timer. Of course, you weren't here two weeks ago. But anybody else, though? Um, If if you are not here for the last two weeks, this is the message of week one and the information that we put into everybody's hand. And so if you're out there and you're getting this right now, I would really, it would mean a lot to me as your pastor. Go listen to that message and go read over and look at that material. And again, if you've been here and maybe you already pledged, maybe you've already given, then you know that this is just the anniversary and we're just re-upping. Now, if you're relatively new to our church, which is actually a good number of you, then maybe you've never pledged or given towards this. And I really, really, really need and help and want your help and support in this. And so I want you to consider your finances. And then the third thing that I really want you to do is focus on this date, March 25th. Everybody say next week. Now, here's the deal. Unless you're in Hawaii, I need you here next week. If you're in Hawaii, okay, that's, that's probably worth it. But outside of that, don't tell me you're in Tahoe, bless God. You go there all the freaking time. You get your blessed assurance to church. Is that too harsh? Is it too much? No? I mean, I gave you Hawaii. You ain't getting Tahoe. So 
It's like a two-hour drive. Get to church. Anyway, March 25th. It is Pledge Week and Miracle Offering Sunday. And so here's what that means. In the card and information that you've gotten, you know that your pledge is your above and beyond incremental giving. For you, that can be quarterly, weekly, monthly, biannually, whatever that means to you. You pray. And your miracle offering is this. And this is huge. This this is where we literally raised over $100,000 in one day. Is I'm asking all of us, to consider what is the one-time, single, best, biggest offering that I can give. What is it that I can do? And I know me and my wife talk about this. It was a tax return season, praise the Lord. And you got we can, just, we can sell this, and we can do this, and we can move this here. And so I'm just telling you, like, that this is just something I want you to pray about. I want you to ask the Lord to speak to you about what it is that you could do generously and sacrificially to make this thing happen. Because we believe that this is our legacy moment. We believe, here's, here's, you need to know this. We believe that this church, and not the church in its long term, but this church in this moment and in this generation has the opportunity to do something that the next generation of this church won't have to worry about. They won't be able to pull this off. They'll be trying to jump off of our shoulders into the future to do something bigger and better and even greater because we'll have helped get them there. And so we want to be able to set this church up for generations to come. We want to make sure that for generations to come, New Beginnings is helping connect people to Christ. Long after I'm dead and gone, I want the name of Jesus lifted up. I want people helped. I want I want to see God's kingdom come. Can I get an amen? That's what a legacy is. It's living a life that outlives me. And outside of our children, there's not a ton that we really think about that like, wow, that's going to outlive me. No, that sucker's going to rust. Moths creep in. Thieves break in and steal. That's what Jesus said. He goes, you want to be eternally minded. Lay up something that's eternal, that lasts forever. And so we want to make sure that as a church, we're setting this church up to, 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 to be eternally minded for kingdom or for, for generations to come. I just, I just want you to believe with me and pray with me and consider this. And let's go huge. Let's go, everybody say next week. It's next week. Miracle Offering Sunday is next week. Pledge week is next week. So here's the deal. If you've already pledged, because you did it last year, then I still would love for you to fill out a new pledge card, even if you just put the exact same information on it. Now, we already have your information, so we're not going to, like, double it and then call you and be like, hey, what's up? Um, no, no, it, we, we just, we, really, I think it's just one of those really spiritual moments where you want to be a part of it. You're like, yeah, I'm in on this and not be just, just new people. I want every one of us to do this. So if you've already filled out a, a pledge card, fill it out again. If you need to adjust it, then adjust it, and we'll, we'll, we'll make sure that we track what you're doing and, and what the adjustment is. And if you've never done it before, then really, truly consider and pray, what can I do and how can I be a part of this? Everybody say, all right. And okay, and let's dive into the scripture this morning, because not only are we talking about these legacy buildings, not only are we talking about legacy prayers, today I want to talk to you about the thing that I think we have to stir up within us for us to do great things, for us to accomplish the, the purpose that God has laid before us. So can we pray one more time before we begin? Bow your heads with me. God, we pray. God, as we look at these scriptures, that you would stir in us faith, that you would stir in us an expectancy that you would stir in us hope and belief, God, for you to do great things in us and through us, Lord. We ask that in Jesus' name, and we all said, amen. Here's the deal, and here's what my experience is, is I look at life and people and read the scriptures, and it's this. It's that to leave a spiritual legacy, you will eventually have to take a step of faith. When you start uh, all the way back from, from, from Genesis 
to, to Job, to Malachi, to Revelation, and all the way through, what you find is, is that the only people that were able to leave a spiritual legacy, at some point in their journey, they had to do something a little weird, maybe, a little strange, maybe, something that seemed illogical at the time, something that seemed challenging, something that seemed difficult, and everybody's story is a little bit different, but they all had to take a step of faith. They had to believe God for something a little bit unusual, something that based on human limitations, you couldn't see how it was going to come together. Based on even like natural law, you're like, I don't even know how that's going to happen, God, but I just believe for this huge, big thing in my life. Because here's the deal, this is where many of us live. Many of us live in a realm, and this is the temptation that we fight with, is there, we live in this temptation to hope for the best, but not believe for the miraculous. Have you ever thought about that? Because here's what I know about you. You want the best, right? You want God's best in your life. You hope things work out. You hope God does good things in your life. You, ho- you hope, you hope, you hope. But sometimes there's this temptation to like hope for the best, but then you struggle to believe for something truly incredible. But I mean, I mean, I hope, hope, hope it works out. But no, no, no. Actually targeting your faith to say, no, I'm going to believe for something incredible. I'm going to believe for something miraculous. You know what something miraculous is? The miraculous is when God suspends the limitations of mankind. He, he suspends human limitations. He suspends it just for a moment to bring about his purpose. Thomas Jefferson has an has a, uh, interesting little thought on this. Thomas Jefferson, of course, one of the founding fathers, um, really, really smart man. He struggled with this very idea, this temptation that we're talking about. This was his struggle. Because if you know about Thomas Jefferson, he was a he was a child of the Enlightenment. And so when he came to the miraculous, he had a huge struggle in his mind to believe for the miraculous. So he actually took the Bible, whom he valued a lot. Listen to what he said about the Bible. He said that the Bible contains the most sublime and benevolent code of morals which has ever been offered to man. That's pretty high praise. And so Jefferson, though, because he, he, he hoped for the best, but he couldn't believe for the miraculous, he literally took a pair of scissors and went through the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and literally cut out every miracle in the Scriptures. Now, how many are like, I'm not doing that. I might get struck dead by lightning. Like, I'm not, I'm not dare. I'm not taking a... And that seems a little weird. Like, I'm not taking a pair of scissors. It took him like two or three nights to do it. He read through every Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. He just cut out the virgin birth, cut out the, the feeding of the 5,000 and the walking on the water and the resurrection. He cut it, he cut it all out. And what was left, you maybe have heard of this before, what was left was a book entitled The Life and Morals of Jesus of Nazareth. It was referred to as the Jefferson Bible. Now that seems kind of weird. That seems a little bit excessive. But I know you and I know me and I know if we're, if we're fighting and struggling with that temptation, what we're struggling with is the same thing. We just don't actually take the scissors to the book. We just skip that part. We read over a little fast. You ever found that when you, you get to something that you don't like in Scripture, you just kind of read it over fast? Nope, I'm the only one. You ever, you ever find, and the reality is that the thing that you are tempted to read over fast, you probably should read over extra slow. If you, if you find something that challenges you, you should, man, God, speak to me. Why do I not like this? Why is this just a struggle for me? And, and actually dive into it. But, but for Jefferson, it was this idea of, of the miraculous, and he struggled to believe that God could do the incredible. He struggled with that idea. And that's where I want us to have that legacy faith, that big, bold faith that says, God, we're going to pray big. We're going to believe big and we're going to hope, but then we're going to actually lean in as well for you to do something miraculous and incredible in our lives so that 
we can leave a legacy. Now, here's where Abraham enters the story. Because Abraham, if you read the Bible, probably has the most incredible legacy of any person outside of Christ, right? You can't put Jesus in there. That doesn't count. That's just unfair. You're stacking the deck. It's not fair. But if we just take Jesus out and say, who left the most incredible legacy in all of humanity? It would be Abraham literally All of Christianity and Judaism and even Islam goes back and points to Abraham. And Abraham has this incredible legacy. And it all started with one simple act of faith. There's actually kind of two. The first one was God told him, start walking that way. And Abraham said, well, how will I know when I get there and where am I going? God said, don't worry about you start walking. I'll let you know when you get there. Now, how many know that takes faith to hear a voice and start walking And then just, oh, well, I guess I'm going that way then. And that's that's how it all started. Because God wanted to choose this man, Abraham, and he gives him this promise. The promise starts with this. It's basically saying, Abraham, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless your offspring, and through you, I'm going to change the world. And the way that he accomplished that eventually was through Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah, coming to earth and dying for the sins of humanity. That's That's how he accomplished it. But it all began with this promise that through your offspring, I'm going to change the world. Now, here's the problem. Have you ever noticed that when you're believing for something, that like if more than a couple of days goes by, your faith starts to weaken a little bit? You're like, man, I started off so strong on Sunday. And by Tuesday afternoon, I was, I was done. You know, so Abraham had years go by. And after years of not having a son or a child, He gets a little frustrated, so God revisits him. And I want to read you the story. Can we do that? This is legacy faith right here. Let's read the story. Abraham says these words. God's talking. They're having a conversation. So the Bible says that the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision and says, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abraham said, he's going to argue, but he does it very politely. Like, if you ever want to argue, like, okay, son, if you ever want to argue with your mom, Oh, dearest mother, amazing woman, then start your argument. That's how you argue, right? Moms, can I get an amen? If your kids would just start like that, you'd probably just give them whatever they wanted most of the time. So, oh, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Elizer of Damascus? So basically, he's going back to that promise of his offspring being great and all that and be like, I got no kids. And now this guy... My, num- my number two, this guy is going to inherit all my stuff. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him again, saying, this man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. Now God does something. God takes him on a field trip. God does a little spiritual analogy here. Ready? So God says, go outside Look up at the heavens and do what? Count the stars. And I love this. If indeed you can count them. Because have you ever been out? Now it's hard in the Bay Area. Because, you know, smog. There's not a lot of clarity out there. But bless God, if you will get out to Tahoe in the middle of the week. And there's some beautiful stars out there. You ever tried to count? You ever lay under the stars? You have the app, you guys seen the app where you can literally put your phone over and they show you the constellations? You ever watch shooting stars on a night? It's, it's incredible. And so that's what he tells Abraham. He goes, this is your, this is your little spiritual uh, illustration. Go outside and count the stars. I mean, if you, if you can. And then he says this, 
so shall your offspring be. So this was the visual illustration. See all them stars up there? You can't even count them all. You're going to have so many stinking kids that the number of kids that you have is going to be like the stars in the sky. And you had to imagine every time Abraham goes out and he looks up at the star from that night forward, he is reminded, this is, the, this is how God spoke to me. He said, look at the stars. Every time my faith is, is shaking, I look at the stars. Every time I'm doubting, I look at the stars. Because here's the real natural limitation. Are you ready? Abraham is old. And his wife is not young. Because that's how you talk to women. They're not old. They're just not young. And the reality is, is that 90-year-old postmenopausal women don't have babies. That's what science says. That's what all of history has told us. I know of no other exceptions except for, well, there's something coming. But... Other, I, I don't, post-menopausal, so if you're Abraham, you've got to have like this, like, okay, are you kidding me? Like, do you see how old I am? Like, there's no blue pills yet, people. There's no, nothing's going on here. That My wife, have you seen, you know, she's 90 for crying out loud. I, God, you're tripping. This has got to be the conversation, but look, but look at the stars. And the point is this, is, is that Abraham, I am sure, does, because it's played out in, in the future stories, But he does what we all do. That when we look at what God has promised us, when we look at the prayers that we have, when we look at the things that we're believing for, normally what we do is is we take our natural limitations and then we put them on God. Which doesn't make a lot of sense. And in doing so, what we do is, is we reduce God to the size normally of a few different things. Number one is this. We normally reduce God to the size of our biggest problem. You ever felt like that? Church, Sunday morning, hallelujah, you're worshiping, God is great, God is big, and then you run into a problem. And you're like, well, he's great, and he's big, but I don't know if he's bigger than that. And whatever your that is, all of a sudden God is like, well, I mean, God's good and God's great, but he's not bigger than, than that. I don't see how God's going to handle that. that he, he would literally have to do a miracle. And again, you hope for the best, but you're not sure if you can believe for the miraculous. And so you've now shrunk God down to something that you can kind of manage. We'll like, so so l- let me give you an example here. When we think about God and, and, and these problems, here's what I want you to recognize. To a finite God, all infinites, or to an infinite God, all finites are equal. I think we talked about this idea a couple weeks ago. Let me give you an example here. When the disciples came to Jesus and said, we are supposed to feed 5,000 people, I get that, but all we got is one kid's lunchbox. We got two fish and three loaves, and that's all we got. If Jesus would have multiplied that so that he could feed 12 people, would that have been a miracle? Yeah, because that'd be crazy. Take a lunchbox and then make it in 12 lunchboxes, right? That'd be a miracle, right? We're tracking, that's a miracle? You can't do that. I've never done that. That's a miracle. Is there any difference then for Jesus to, to multiply into not just 12, but maybe 24? Because if you can multiply it, that's all, you're already in the realm of the miraculous. 
You're already in the realm of crazy. You're already in the realm of infinite. And that was my point, is to an infinite God, all finites are equal. My point would be this, is that if you can believe God for him to multiply your, 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 your meal into 12, you might as well go for 24. Maybe you go for 100. You, heck, 5,000, it's basically all the same now. We're all in the realm of the crazy and the insane and the miraculous. We are already in the realm of God suspending natural law momentarily to do something incredible. So my, 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 my challenge to you would be like, hey, don't limit God down to your biggest problem. You might not want to put that limitation on him. Here's another one. Not only do we reduce him to our biggest problem, sometimes it's our greatest fear. Yeah. It's something within us, something that we're struggling with, and we're like, God, I just don't know. Here's another one. Not only our greatest fear, just our left brain logic. For some of us, we're so cerebral. We're so fixated on what we can actually somehow measure. When the reality is this, is that most of the world science can't measure. So like you, you need to recognize that of all that science can measure, there's more that it can't measure. So like limiting yourself to left brain logic is one thing, but you don't want to put that on God because here's the deal. If you believe that you exist and that God is real, then he's already done the most incredible miracle of all. He created something out of nothing and out of no life, he created life. So that alone is already awesome. Anything that he does beyond that is lesser than that. Right? I mean, create something out of nothing. I mean, that's anything after that is lesser. So left brain logic, don't, don't limit God. And here's the last one. Don't, don't, don't limit God to your worst sin. Like sometimes you're like, I don't deserve. I'm not good enough. Does he know what I did last weekend? When I was in Tahoe, when I should have been at church. All right, I'm kidding. I like Tahoe. I'm just messing. But sometimes we do. Sometimes we limit God by our own guilt, by our own shame. We look at our own past and think, how could God, how could God ever want to do that for me? When, and, here, here, and here's what you need to know. God only does miracles for sinners. Because there's nobody else to do them for. That's it. The only, it's the only people he does miracles for. So like, you need to know that all these men and women of the Bible that left incredible legacies, that experienced God's work in their life, that, that saw the incredible and the miraculous, do you know what they all had in common? we're all sinners so you're in good company so you're saying there's a chance that's what what we're talking about today and so so my my point is this is is don't reduce god down to the size of your limitations let god be bigger than that as a matter of fact i'm going to tell you i'm going to show you how how big god is are you ready this will give you a, a glimpse of how big and great god is and what he's up to is different than what you're up to so um all right this is nerdy time and if you're not nerdy, just get the gist. Ready? Light travels. Where's Gus? Gus, how, what does light travel at? I expect you to know these things. You're a rocket scientist. 186,000 miles per second, right? That's fast. What? That's, it's already happened, right? 186,000 miles per second. Now, here's the deal. If you think about us and the sun and the distance between us and the sun, the sun is 93 million miles away. Okay, so that's a long time. Let me tell you how long it takes. If you got in your minivan and we're doing, you know, 70 miles an hour and you took off on a trip to get to the sun, it'd take you 163 years and you get no bathroom breaks. That's, that's what I'm saying. So, I'm sorry about that. Um, now, now, check this out. That's just the sun. That's it. That, that's the distance from here to the sun. Now, the farthest galaxy, when they look in the Hubble telescope and do all these things and whatever, this is what they figured out, that the farthest galaxy that they discovered is 13.7 billion light years away. 
And a light year is 5.88 trillion miles. 5.88 trillion miles. Does that make sense? Um, okay. It's really, really far. Okay, so the layman is just far. It's, far. it's incomprehensibly far. We're not talking about years now. We're talking about light years away. Now, in light of that, listen to this scripture. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. And my ways, they're not your ways, declares the Lord. And as the heavens are higher than the earth, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts your thoughts. I just want you to know that God's thinking on a different level than us. And we don't want to take that level of incomprehensible glory and greatness and somehow put our limitations on him. Now listen to what the Apostle Paul said. Apostle Paul is commenting on this story of Abram and listen to what he says. This is Romans chapter 4, verse number 18. The Bible says that against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said, so shall your offspring be. Remember that phrase? That was the end of, of, of Genesis 15. So shall your offspring be. He's quoting it. And without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact, now this is all kind of harsh, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. I didn't say that. That's me. You got to remember, he's talking about a historical event. He's not talking to somebody. So, yet, everybody say yet, which that's a fancy but, right? So whenever you see scripture, you see but, it, there's, a, there's, a, there's a change going on, and this is just a fancy one. Yet, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised what's amazing is that abraham remember it said he faced the fact see this is something that i don't want you to like misunderstand me i'm not asking you as a christian to live in denial right you're like there, there was a whole movement of christianity that for a while there did that they were like they were like no we're if you if you got sick they'd be like no you're not sick don't say that don't say you're sick just be and it was like well no he's sick i can look at him i promise you he's sick um what Abraham did was not live in denial. What he did was is he faced the fact and then surrendered the fact to God's truth. And what he said was is that God's truths supersede my limited facts. And that's how I'm going to live my life. I'm going to live my life based on the truth of God's word and surrender my facts to it. I won't be in denial. I, I, look, I know postmenopausal 90-year-old women don't make babies. I'm fully aware of that. I just know that this is what God has promised and so I'm going to just trust that and go with that. Or we could look at it like this, and this is the quote, unbelief puts our circumstances between us and God. But faith puts God between us and our circumstances. So you've got limitations, you've got circumstances, you've got things that you need to face the fact. The question will be this, will you put your attention on your circumstances, on your facts, or will you put your attention on God? Will you, will you put your faith in the facts or will you put your faith in God? What, what are you going to do? Because to leave a spiritual legacy at some point in your life, you're going to have to take a spiritual leap of faith. You're going to have to do something that might seem illogical. And I want you to know that faith in God is not always logical. 
But it's not illogical either. It's just theological. It's, 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 not, it's not limited down to here. It's thinking bigger. It's trying to connect with a God who lives outside of human limitations. So here's my question. What limitations have you put on God? And here's some basic ones. And this one's from the story. If you think about this, some of the limitations that we put on God are this. I'm too old. That's easily what Abraham did think, could think. It was clear by a future story that he had thought this has crossed his mind. I'm too old. And guess what? Some of us do the same thing. We're like, well, I don't know that God really wants to use me to do that. I'm, I'm too old. And the reality is, is that the Bible contradicts this idea. That literally when you look at scripture, you ever thought about this? Noah was 500 when he built the ark. You're not 500. Get to work. Do something great. Caleb 85 years old, 85 years old, and this dude wanted to go and fight battles. When you look at Moses, most of us think about Moses. Moses was 80 years old when he went to go speak to Pharaoh for the very first time. There is no reason why you should ever let your age somehow limit what God wants to do in you and through you. Can I get an amen? You're not, you're not too old. You know what? Let me give you another one. You're not too young. Like that can't be your excuse. Because there's all kinds of crazy stories like Josiah, this kid in the Old Testament, became the king of Israel and began leading Israel into a revival when he was eight years old. All the, all the disciples, most people think that they were teenagers, maybe in their early 20s at most. So the Bible's full of these really young people that just don't know any better sometimes and just based on like, Blind ignorance jump into faithful things and jump into big things because they don't, they don't even know that they're supposed to be afraid. They don't even know that they're not supposed to be able to do that. They don't, they don't even know. And if you're out there and you think, I'm too young, here's another one. I'm not gifted enough. I got news for you. Gifting is not the key ingredient. Like, as a matter of fact, going back to Moses, who was 80, when Moses had the argument with God as to why God couldn't use him, his argument was, I'm not gifted enough. I have a speech impediment, and you want me to get up and talk? You're crazy. You must be out of your mind. You better, you better do something crazy. You better do something different. You better pick somebody else. You ever felt like that? You, better, you ever felt like, God, you need to pick someone else? But what's amazing is God always seems to pick the least somehow gifted or deserving or, or, or the person that you thought it would have been. God never uses them. God always wants to find the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And so, so gifting is not the prerequisite. That God, God, doesn't care, God doesn't care about your gifting level. He can, he can overcome that. Here, here's another one. I don't have enough time. Yeah, like, like somehow, like, I don't have enough time. Another one in this category would be, I don't have enough money. I, you keep looking at your limitations as if your money and your time. I want you to know that what God can do through you can be so special and so unique that you can't quantify the ripple effect that it can have on eternity. You have no idea. So saying I don't have enough time or I don't have enough money, or here's another one we do sometimes in that category, is, um, well, I can't do it for everyone. Well, duh. You ever think we, we try to go like feed, feed, feed the poor and be like, well, we can't do it for everybody. Bless God, we shouldn't do it. Just do it for someone. Find someone. If you can't do it for everybody, bless God, do it for one. Find a way to do it. Here, here's another one. And this goes back to what we talked about earlier. My past has too much sin. God can't use me. My past 
is too jaded. I'm too funky. I've got too much baggage. I've got too much. If they knew what I, if Pastor Todd knew what I did, he would not let me lead a small group. If Todd knew what I did, I would not be allowed on the first, second, or third row. If Todd, God only uses sinners. You need to, you need to, you need to go and drop these limits. Stop putting your limitations on an infinite God. Watch how the story ends. This is incredible. Genesis chapter 21, it says, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Everybody say promise. Let me make a quick observation about this. If you don't know what he had said, or you don't know what he had promised, then you don't have anything to target with your faith. Let me say that again. If you don't know what he has said, if you don't know what he has promised, you don't know how to target your faith. You need to dive in and know the promises of God. You need to dive into the scriptures so that you can hear the voice of God, so that you can actually have a promise to cling to. So Sarah, verse 2, became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had, everybody say promise. This is when God promised. And Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son, Sarah, bore him. And when his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. And Abraham was how old? He was old. hundred years old when his son Isaac was born. So Sarah said, listen to this, God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said? Who, who would have thunk it? You know what she's saying here? There's no way anybody would have come up with this mess. There's too many limitations. Who would have come up with this story? Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, yet I have borne him a son in his old age? Now, here's what you need to see. Is that there's a tension between the promise of God and the limitation of man. And even in the middle of it is a bunch of time. You have these promises that God gives you. And then you have these limitations like, you know, Axe heads don't float. Jars of oil run out. People can't walk on water. People don't come back from the dead. Red seas don't part. Um, food can't be multiplied. There's limitations everywhere. And you got promises. Do you know that the original promise to Abraham that he would be given a son, he was 75 years old. Now, in that scripture, how old was he when they actually had the kid? A hundred. Twenty-five years. He had to fight the tension between the promise and the limitation. And that's the struggle that we all... And I'm telling you that if you'll fight through and you'll hold on to the promises of God, that you can overcome the limitations of man and you can see God do the miraculous. That's what we're all looking for. We're looking for God to annihilate our own limitations. We're asking God to suspend what seems to be natural limitations. Just suspend them momentarily. And do something miraculous. And do something incredible. And that's what this legacy journey is all about for our church. And that's what it is for your personal life. What are the promises of God that you are believing for? What are the limitations that you're struggling against? And can you put God right in the middle of that thing? Last scripture and I'll close with this. It's just kind of a cool scripture. And I want to give this for you to think about. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Prepare, everybody say prepared. Prepared for us in advance. Now this word prepared 
is an ancient word. It's actually an ancient oriental word that they stole. And literally what they would do is, is that whenever a king was going into a new territory, is that his servants would go before him to prepare everything. Now what's interesting is, is that God flips the script. Because normally it's about servants preparing the way for the king. But God said, I'm the king and I'm going to prepare something for you. God literally goes in advance of you and prepares something for you. I just want you to know this morning that you have a purpose and you have a promise. God's not done with you yet. We all need to wrestle with this thing of like, God, what are you wanting to do in me? What are you wanting to do through me? What promises should I be believing for? God, what purpose should I be diving into? God, what is it that you want to do next with my life? Would you bow your heads and pray with me today? You know, we believe as a church that we know what God is wanting to do next. We know God's put us in this season of sacrificial giving, of big faith, of big prayers, of being legacy-minded. And that's what I'm inviting you into as a church, as a collective, as a, as a, a gathering of faith. Will you believe with me? Will you believe for God to somehow do something incredible, to do something outrageous, to do something outside of the norm, to suspend maybe some things for moments? so that we can get over the hump. But also, I want you to wrestle with your own life. What is your purpose? What are the promises of God that you're believing for? So, Father, we pray, God, help us to be a people of incredible faith. Help us to be people that cling to your promises regardless of our limitations, God. Help us, Lord, to pursue you. God, not be in denial. Lord, we'll face the facts. We'll face those facts And then keep on believing in you, Lord. God, would you be with us? Would you stir that faith within us to believe for those things that you've put in our heart? As a church, to believe in the moment that you've laid before us, Lord God, would you help us to be people of incredible faith? Lord, that is our prayer today in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Yeah, can you give Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.